Oh boy. All right. Um, everybody, people are listening to this. So, uh, all right. Hey, uh, welcome back to the ne- another episode of the Ren Pod. It's me, Morgan, and with me uh, is your venerable co-host. It is Brelio. It is the man that doesn't have a plan, but somehow got a plan. You always make it happen. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, thank you for coming back and listening to another episode of this. Uh, we're back in action. Back in Looney Tunes, back in action once again um, for season six. Uh, yeah. Um, today we're talking about uh, fantasy shows, right? That's right. Yeah. Because uh, we've, we've both been watching um, shows in the fantasy genre. I've been watching Lord of the Rings, uh, Rings of Power, and Braulio's been watching um, the new uh, Game of Thrones series. House of the Dragon. <laughs> yes. Uh, <laughs> much like going back to an ex after a horrible breakup, HBO has tempted Braulio back. <laughs> and they have, and this show, man, I have to say, is. A perfect continuation slash prelude to what Game of Thrones is. Uh, the characters are awesome, and so far I'm loving the show. Okay, okay. So, uh, so as someone, I, I personally have not watched a single minute of uh, House of the Dragon. I have absorbed all knowledge of it that I have, which is very little, um, through TikToks and friends um, talking about plot points mainly involving Matt Smith because everyone knows I'm a Doctor Who fan. Uh, so for other people like me, um, what, what would you say the synopsis of the show is? So basically, if you're a fan of the Targaryen family, you know, Daenerys Targaryen, Jon Snow to some extent, and even um, her brother Viserys, this show pretty much talks about what crazy family lineage the Targaryen is and how there was so much political kind of maneuvering even back then. Because this show is set about 176 years before the events of the first season or, or game of thrones so it's okay so it's like it's og targaryen uh alabama um <laughs> yes and no because there's a not to go into spoilers here but we learn of the death of a, a certain targaryen in the show within the first few minutes of the of the uh, the first episode and that leads into kind of the question of succession Who's gonna be the person to to continue continue the the lineage? The person that's gonna kind of usher in that new herd of dragons, and the show follows the family or the the sect of the Targaryen family that won, and this is very interesting, especially considering how fit or unfit they might be to be to to rule. How the other Targaryens that were kind of in in the running for uh, for leadership, how they're handling the loss of power is really interesting, man. Okay, yeah, um, I'll, I'll probably reserve uh, judgment on it or, or reserve seeing it until because I don't know I don't know how many seasons the show is going to get. I I doubt they're going to go full eight like they did um, Game of Thrones, but they probably I, I could see this show getting about five seasons. Well, I know that they renewed it for a second and third season, so 
or greenlit it. So, you know, it's pretty good. Good um, expectations, hopes. Yeah. I, like you, though, I don't see the show going past uh, season two and just being sort of a lim- limited series. Because they're other, they already have other projects that they want to kind of work around in sort of, sort of the Game of Thrones universe. Uh, there was talks of a J- uh, Jon Snow show. There's the other prequels that HBO originally announced alongside the House of the Dragon. So it would make sense for them to kind of keep a story that's centered around this specific period, around this specific set of the family. And then let's say have a second show, whatever the show ends up might be, might be have it around, let's say, something like Aegon Con- Aegon's Conquest or certain around another family from from um, from Westeros. Okay, and and for for a Jon Snow series, because um, that one that that one kind of stands out because it feels like a OG Game of Thrones for better or worse, especially after about season five or six. Um, mm-hmm. It feels like OG Game of Thrones was just the Jon Snow show, where he was he you know in, in true Hollywood action television show, uh, you know. Um, I forget the word. Um, you know, fashion. I guess. Uh, Jon Snow was kind of the main character that the audience was meant to see themselves through, see the world through. Um, mm-hmm. so where do you think a Jon Snow spinoff would go? Would it would it be, I guess, after everything, or would it be like in between something? Maybe he's with the free people. How, how would you see that one going? So first, I would have to slightly disagree with you as far as Jon Snow being one of the the lead characters or being considered the lead character. For me, Daenerys was always, again, this is from my opinion, was seen as the main character and Jon kind of playing, yes, a main character, but a secondary character to Daenerys. Mm. So that's how I see that. But to go to answer your question now, um, I definitely, definitely 100% think that if they do a Jon Snow show, it's going to be around... What happened after season eight? How he went with the free folk? What kind of what lies further north? Like, is the magic fully gone? Is um, is there any remnants of the of the whites up there? And could that potentially be a threat again? But in this time, kind of deadlier since they wouldn't necessarily have the entire uh, northern or uh, south of the bold south of the the wall armada. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I, I'd like to see almost in a way, I know this is like wild left field and kind of would make, maybe it would make sense. Maybe not. I'd love to see a slow like transition of John becoming the next night King. Oh, that'd be so cool. I'm like, that. that's, there you go. That's it. HBO book it. Yeah, like I, I feel like that would be like an interesting show because it's like it would play very well to with like the whole theme that Game of Thrones originally had, where it was like the night is coming, or you know, where it's like it's in that winter is coming, like it's inevitable because cycles of seasons or whatever. So someone you know almost like star wars in a way which Braulio is not a for people listening Braulio is not like a huge star wars person so <laughs> but there's like the whole running theme of star wars like balance where it's like if things get too out of hand on in either the dark side or even the light side then something has to always balance it out because it just has to remain in balance so we we see at the end of game of thrones that like yes they win they defeat the white walkers and the night king so now summer 
kind of has won, but eventually the seasons have to cycle and the winter has to come again. So I'd love to see John become the next Night King or something and just continue that cycle. <laughs> a show that I would have loved to, that's a good idea, but a show that I personally would have liked to see more than anything Jon Snow, more Targaryen stuff, uh, I would have loved to see the show about Arya kind of exploring the, the further east, what's out there. Do you just end up in Essos or is there more land up there? yeah like almost like a um like a quantum leap or something but like aria going east in game of thrones <laughs> that'd be dope man but you know what's actually more intriguing to me and i was actually talking to my wife about this and she was saying that it wouldn't work but let's say what if we do a game of thrones show right but this time have it set in present time like yes have all the mysticism be there have there be a wall that separates, let's say, Canada or where Canada ends and then further up, you know, hasn't been explored because the the harsh terrain, quote unquote, and further down is kind of normal civilization where uh, monarchy is still a thing or, um, but, you know, they have a king, queen or whatever and mm-hmm. have it set in modern time where the, where the whites are attacking and because there's so much kind of weaponry, technology, guns and all that, you would think that humanities has like a clear path of victory, but because they're undead, they can't die. And what's happening is actually indirectly we're supplying them with firearms or, or you know, weaponry, because once you die, you turn into a white yourself. I'm going to say this. It could actually work. It would just be so expensive. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Like it could actually work because we we've seen like kind of because it, it, what you're what you're presenting is like it's a zombie show right like it's set in modern times with some like magic sprinkled on top we've seen things that are close to that it's just this one would be so expensive to make <laughs> yeah but not necessarily just a zombie show but like a Game of Thrones show period man like just have it be like you know King's Landing still a thing. Uh, Winterfell is still a thing, but now we're in a time in history where, let's say, you have access to vehicles, you have uh, transportation, you, horses no longer the, the way of traveling, but cars, uh, you have computers. You're in the modern time, just King's Landing in the future. And it have that work. be the setting of what's kind of the, the, re, the re-arising of magic, if you if you work. Yeah, it could definitely work. I would, I would, if I was going to pitch that to like HBO, I would pitch it as like um, West Wing meets The Librarians meets uh, Walking Dead or The Maze Runner. Yeah, something like that. Because you could have like a, you could have like a whole thing where like dragon eggs have been sitting dormant for. X amount of hundreds of years or something like that, and there hasn't been a Targaryen in a long time. And then you almost pull like a um, you almost pull like a a thing where it's like, okay, well, no one can awaken the the dragons or something, but whoever can, almost like the sword in the stone, whoever can, you know, hatch the dragon eggs becomes the next king or something. And all these dragons, or you know, the next ruler of Westeros, and all these dragon eggs get scattered to different kingdoms, and you know couple people figure out how to crack them and then there becomes like a whole political intrigue thing where they try and figure out well who gets the throne you know like it could work it could actually work i like that i like that pitch mm-hmm. so yeah um so what yeah, about I, you morgan i know you've been watching um the lord of the yeah. Rings show how's that going 
it's actually it's solid i i will say this it is solid um it is it's like if i had to say on a scale of one to ten um i know you'd probably say game of thrones house of the dragon is probably like a what like for you like what eight eight or nine uh so far i would say it's a solid nine okay i i'd put lord of the rings rings of power at about a seven seven or an eight really okay before anybody gets mad at me all right i i will preface this by saying i'm a very large game i'm a very large lord of the rings fan love lord of the rings um but this show it it kind of and i know why i understand why like they didn't have the licensing to to the story of like half of lord of the rings they didn't they just couldn't use it so they had to do what they had to do um but it kind of feels like they kind of leaned a little too hard into uh hollywood storytelling as opposed to tolkien-esque quote-unquote storytelling so Mm -hmm. it feels a little weird in in the way that you watch it because you're like expecting this very lord of the rings style story and you're kind of getting much closer to like you know uh, you're getting closer to just like a regular tv show or regular movie than you are something as like high fantasy you know that's interesting yeah but it it works i think i think the the story that they're telling uh doesn't stray too far from uh from the actual lord of the rings canon and it's fun it's enjoyable the characters are are fun to watch and uh i mean i'm enjoying seeing young elrond you know that's not something i ever thought i'd see um wait so this show is set as a prequel then yeah, yeah, it's like a, it's like a, it's it's about, um, I believe it's the first or second age, so it's it's a few hundred years before The Hobbit, even. So it's it's, you know, about four hundred, five hundred years before Lord of the Rings, and about two hundred, three hundred years before The Hobbit. Uh, yeah, where like everybody's still young, the war has just ended. Um, the war with Morgoth, where humans had like pledged themselves, and like Sauron is just you know he had like just become a thing and it disappeared so this is you know the i don't think the rings have even been made yet in uh in this show what if that's how the show ends with the rings being made i feel like it will because it's it's literally it's called rings of power so i can only assume that the whole goal is like to make the rings (laughs) you know what's crazy though knowing about this show or not knowing so little about the show and yet hearing so much about the show the fact that it's the most expensive show on television ever in history. Yes. And you can see it. Like, I will say this. It is beautiful. It's a beautiful show. Is it shot on location? Or is it um, like green screens and stuff? So it's partially shot on location. You can tell the parts that are shot on location, but I think they also did um, not green screen, but they did like the Mandalorian where they have uh, the new the new technologies. Instead of shooting like a green screen room, you you get a bunch of LED panels and you make a virtual set. So you just like um, you just get like almost like a, a million led television screens and you mm-hmm. line them up all perfectly to where it looks seamless and then you can project whatever you want onto them and it looks uh and it, it's almost indistinguishable from real life yeah, interesting uh, I, I gotta learn more about this technology 
yeah, it's it's really cool. It's uh, it's how they shot a lot of the Mandalorian and Boba Fett, um, and there there's a lot of places uh places that are using them. Um, one is is Full Sail, which uh you know, uh, which is how I know about it, obviously. Um, but there there's a lot of a lot of a lot of places are doing that. So it it looks very beautiful, and you can you can't even tell. Um, and it gives the actors instead of shooting in front of just like a blank green screen wall, you actually can see, you know, you can actually see like, you know, what you're actually supposed to be looking at. So you feel a little bit better in place. Um, but the show is absolutely beautiful. You can tell they put a lot of money into this. Like it's a billion dollars worth because it looks absolutely gorgeous. I think the show is like 500 K per 56 million per episode. Yeah, it is. You can tell like it's, it's very like, I love to see certain characters. I like seeing Celebrimbor. I like seeing uh, Galadriel. You know, I like seeing all these characters that, like, you know, that you only see as, like, old, you know, like, they're hundreds of years old by the time you see them in the movies. And to see them as, like, young and kind of getting to where they're, you know, where they're going to get to is is quite interesting. Um, Young whippersnappers. Yeah, you know, like, no one ever thought they'd see young Elrond, you know, Elrond's like 400, 500 years old or something by the time you get to Lord of the Rings, you know, like, he's set in his ways, he hates everybody, you know, he's mad his daughter's dating a human, you know, like, <laughs> you're mentioning people have no recollection of, so I'm like, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Elrond is uh, is like the Lord of the Elves in Lord of the Rings, so is, isn't that the same guy that wrote um, Scientology? Um, that's Elrond Hubbard. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, he's played by uh, what's his name? Um, Hugo Weaving, a uh, dude from Matrix, Agent Smith. A fantastic actor. Yeah, he plays Elrond in uh in the movies. So to see to see his character like young is like and, and uh, you know there's certain stuff that you're looking at and you're like is that like there's one character that I've been watching while I've been watching the show that like the whole time I'm sitting there I'm looking at him going. Is that Gandalf? <laughs> Just the whole time. <laughs> uh, they're going for the same thing that the Fantastic Beast did, that they made um, Dumbledore young. No, like, it, weird enough, he's not, like, he's not young at all. Like, he's younger than Ian McKellen was in the movies, because obviously, you know, Ian McKellen was like 70 or something when those movies, you know, happened. But, you know, like, he's still, he's fairly aged already. Like, he looks like he could maybe be 10 years younger than what Ian McKellen was in the original movies, but it's just the way that he looks. I'm I'm constantly looking at because they don't they he doesn't have a name and he hasn't spoken, you know. And the whole time I'm looking, at him, I'm going, "Is that Gandalf?" Like, <laughs> so he's just like Easter egg right now. Kind of yeah, like he's just there and like he you can tell that he like can do magic, like and you're like, is it? And he's kind of dressed kind of similarly to Gandalf, and I'm like, is that him or is that like? <laughs> Sounds like a thing with the emotions, though. Is it the whole time, dude? Like I'm, I'm sitting there because nothing is, you know, since it's like the the early bits, nothing is named kind of besides like the elves and humans and, and dwarves. Nothing else is really named the way that we think of. Like there's no the Shire. There's none of this stuff. So it's it's almost like looking at a blank slate, and you're like, how are they gonna make this into the thing that we recognize? <laughs> Yeah, that I like those because that's like a great character study, and then so a good way to like kind of it gives you more freedom in order to like expand out the story because you're not tied to the legacy, you get to create the legacy. But in a way, 
listening to myself talk, you are kind of bounded by that legacy because you have to end up leading to that. So, so I think, yeah, yeah. Like I, I think that's why I put it at like a seven or an eight is because like it is kind of ba- like if it was its own franchise, I think this would be a, a solid eight and a half, nine of a show. Like. Mm-hmm is just because it does have that weight of Lord of the Rings and like I know where it has to end up and I kind of know a bit too much of the lore you know what I mean like it kind of ends up making you go ah this is kind of missing this kind of feels off and then you knock it down a little bit you know what I mean (laughs) I get the same feeling with Thronesman with um, House of the Dragon because we we know where the main character right now is supposed to end up and you know, because if you if you watch Game of Thrones, you remember that scene that Joffrey was talking to Marjorie, and he told them how uh, Rhaenyra Targaryen was going to end up. Mm. And that happens again in Game of Thrones. And now we're seeing this character, and it's like a character we're falling in love with. And it's like, oh, I know how you go. I'm going to yeah. spoil it, but for those of you that don't remember, but if you watch Game of Thrones, he blatantly tells you. I mean, he could have been exaggerating. He could have been lying. Because, you know, there's Joffrey, but still, it's like, I know where you're going. Exactly. And it just, it, it makes it, I mean, it does at least, once once you're through it, I think, I always think of it like those types of shows are great for people who won't, who haven't seen the original thing yet, you know? Yeah. Or for people that don't care or get their expectations ruined by like, you know, other people spoiling stuff for them. Like my wife is like that. I could tell her how a show is going to play out and she will still watch it you tell me how a show is going to play out and i'll be kind of hesitant to watch it exactly like i i think it's wonderful when when someone hasn't seen something or when or you know somebody has like one of those you know those memories where like you can spoil something and they'll just forget it by the time they watch the show for them i think it's wonderful because then you can start it with you can start somebody out by saying oh let's watch house of the dragon first you know and then they get this emotional attachment to this character and then you get to that point in game of thrones where joffrey says how that character ends and i feel like it would be a bigger emotional you know weight or or bigger emotional impact for a person who like started with house of the dragon and then went to game of thrones as opposed to watching it the way that everyone else is watching it we're like you already know where they end up you know yeah that's why i always like to go back to like whenever i watch the mcu i either watch it in release order or i watch it in chronological order because there's certain things like with captain marvel captain marvel set in the 90s yet we watch the movie technically in 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 the what the the 2010s that's yeah. when it was released yeah yeah so that's an example of that exactly or like uh because i like i've been watching on tiktok i've been watching somebody show their uh show their girlfriend um all the star wars movies in a row because their girlfriend had never seen any star wars knew nothing about star wars which it blew my mind when i was like how have you avoided this so like they didn't even know that anakin was spoiler anakin was darth vader they didn't even know that and i was like how have you avoided this for this long (laughs) normies man exactly are they gen zers or part of um our generation generation yeah they're they're part of our generation and millennials interesting is i was like how how have you like avoided it for this long that's insane and they started off chronologically and I was like, okay, that's an interesting thing to go about it. Cause I feel like the argument 
of how do you show somebody Star Wars or any any, you know, franchise film was an argument that's been had since we were kids. You know, like, do you show it, you know, original trilogy, then prequels and then sequels? Or do you go machete order? Or do you show it chronologically? All those types of things. And I, you I know, think it's also good to to watch it in a release order. Like at least yeah. if it's gonna be your first viewing for something, watch it in, in release order. Because A technology is not gonna be the same. Yeah. So you don't wanna kinda downplay something that might be great just because the technology wasn't there if you're watching it in chronological order. Yeah. Well, might. Plus I I feel like it does after watching those videos and then thinking of how I like how I or most people kind of grew up. I think it affects the way I think it affects which ones you think are great. Right. Yep, like I, the one that you see first, the trilogy you see first or the, or whichever one you see first is kind of the one that sets the standard for you. Right. You get away, <laughs> exactly. Because this the, this person's girlfriend like had seen the prequels first. They watched it in chronological order. And when they got to like episode five, she still had episode one Phantom Menace in her top three of Star Wars movies. And I was it blew my mind for a second because I was like, how? How have you? How do you have like the, the one that's considered arguably the worst movie in your top three? <laughs> now that we're talking about chronological order, there's a guy on Instagram. He took the entire Infinity Saga. Actually, it's a team of guys. They took the entire Infinity Saga, starting from the first Iron Man movie all the way up to Thor Ragnarok, including the TV shows, and they chopped that up. And made it one long 38-hour movie. Oh, or I think God. it's longer than that. But here's the great part. They put chronological scenes in chronological order. Meaning if it's a movie, a scene in, let's say, Captain America, the first Avenger. But that scene hap- is supposed to be in 20 years into the future. They put that uh, at that point in the film. If it's a scene, let's say, from the last movie that came out, um, Thor Ragnarok, well, that scene is supposed to happen in 100 BC. And that's the creation of the MCU. They will put that scene, specific scene, at the beginning. And they cut the entire series like that. Hmm. That, okay. I, I know the narrative on that would be very hard to maintain. Like, just thinking from, like, an editing standpoint, to make the narrative on that work is is gonna be insane but I, I could see it i could see how it could happen i could see how it could work yeah because imagine the like the the the, the, the show i want to watch it at least the first hour to see how it plays because i want to know what is it the because you know in the eternals movie they have that scene that they show the creation of the universe yeah obviously that'll be the first scene right but then yeah. in the loki show you have the one scene that this guy he who remains is talking about how time is an infinite loop and he shows how the universe is kind of wrapped in this endless loop and it shows how the universe was created. So would that predate the scene of shown in the Eternals? And how would you even narrate that? Like, how well, how does the voiceover go? Is it going to be somebody voiceover, voiceovering the whole thing? Or is it going to be like a jumble mess of like, the universe Loki was created and then you're like what what the hell is Loki you know what I'm saying yeah if it was me I'd I'd, just to kind of preserve and like you said because it's saying that like it's a loop I would put it at the end 
if it was me i'd put it at the very end um because everything's been introduced to that point and you and the audience as they're watching it they're thinking that this is a, a singular time thing right like you've seen the beginning of the universe and now you've seen to the end of i'm assuming you know what if if at some point um you know they showed the destruction of the universe or something or like if you get to ragnarok where there's literally like the destruction of asgard you know you're you're seeing what is essentially the end of something and then i'd put it at the very end to be like it's all a loop and then <laughs> and then it just goes back to the beginning <laughs> sounds like flashpoint essentially yeah because it's like you're kind of bookending it in a way to be like the end is never the end it's just an, another chapter of the story this is all just one chapter and then there'll be another one after this and another one after that and blah 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 yada 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 but just to kind of like give a narrative bookend there i think it will work or you could do it at the very very beginning as a full voiceover but cutting out like the loki bits or something where he mentions some or leave it in there but cut out Loki being involved, believe in him mentioning Loki and then have the creation of the universe and all that type of stuff. So I think it just depends on where you want to go narratively with that. Cause if you mm-hmm. put it at the beginning, Loki becomes the main character of the narrative because he's telling Loki the story. And then everything after that is almost being seen as a story being told to Loki. Interesting. But don't you run the same risk by putting the, the endless loop at the end? Since you're kind of saying uh, everything loops around. And if everything's looping around, that means the alpha and the omega is going to end up being Loki. Kind of, yeah. Like, you, you do end up kind of running that risk. But I, I feel like at the end, it at the end, because Loki is kind of dead or, or something like that, you can say, well, up to this point, Loki was our, was our like, pov character but now we've seen other characters who take on that story and go on and do their own thing um so we can kind of like pass it off in like a baton fashion but once yeah but once you put it at the beginning especially with like the whole multiverse stuff with that loki introduces and things like that you're instantly everything instantly becomes well loki is not dead like in your head you're like well he's obviously not dead because we know that he's being told this story from the beginning so we know he can't be dead <laughs> you know what i mean yeah <laughs> like, but, it's... Um, <laughs> do you want to give it a a shot of whiskey one of these days watch like I the so. yeah yeah let's do it sweet yeah so yeah um speaking of speaking of fantasy and and things of that nature um how much of a fantasy fan would you say you are Mm, depends i have my moments like uh there's certain there's go through certain periods where i will be all for it and then other periods i'm like meh like right now i just finished watching the boys yeah yesterday awesome show awesome show awesome awesome ending um and i'm going through a fantasy period right now where fantasy is kind of like the bee's knees but even as short as last year it was like meh fantasy is boring interesting yeah because i um i think outside of maybe one or two franchises i'm not like i i'm very picky and choosy much like you are um when it comes to to fantasy because i feel like the genre generally kind of feels very samey um 
with a lot of things it runs a lot of the same tropes a lot of the same stories like you can you can kind of tell the similarities between you know game of thrones and and lord of the rings or lord of the rings and the witcher or any of those and you know tabletop rpgs and all this type of stuff like i feel like the genre is is very analogous or or homogenous um but uh with with um with all of that said since we are very picky um do you have a fantasy series before we head out of here a fantasy series that you would like to recommend to the people to watch um i guess thrones will be the one for those of you that are on the fence about it you know considering what a mess season eight was give it a shot you know you will enjoy it I know you'll enjoy it because I was kind of that person. I was very hes- hesitant at first. But after the first episode, I was hooked. And I'm loving every minute of it. I was one of the, It's good having a show that you kind of get to look forward to every week. You know, I do have She-Hulk and I do have my Chicago PD. But it's not the same as uh, Thrones that everybody is kind of watching at the same time. And they could text like four random people. And the, the first question is like, hey. How was Thrones? Or did you see that last night? It was crazy. <laughs> so, yeah, that's my recommendation. Game of Thrones. All right. Um, I would, uh, for fantasy, you know what? I'll say go watch One Piece. No, no, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna do that to you. Um, <laughs> I'm not gonna do that to to living human beings. Um, no, I'd say uh, go. Do, okay. If you want, if you want something that's enjoyable, uh, that you can sit down and enjoy, watch Lord of the Rings. If you want something that, uh, that if you've read twenty six books and you want to be angry at, um, but if you haven't read twenty six books and are just willing to to check out something new, um, that does kind of create its own story without relying on the source material almost at all, uh, watch Wheel of Time. It's they're both on Amazon Prime. Uh, Amazon spent an exorbitant amount of money on both of them, uh, and one sticks closer to the source material than the other. Um, but yes, uh, with that said, um, we're gonna be heading out of here before we get to uh, where you can find us on the interwebs. I just wanted to say this is the only time, one of the only times, because I can't say this is the only time, but this is one of the only times where I'm gonna do anything jock related on this podcast. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Jock adjacent or sports adjacent on this podcast. All right. Um, tonight, as of recording this uh, earlier tonight, um, Albert Pujols hit his 700th home run in his career, which is a very big, a very big deal if you're a fan of baseball or a fan of sports in general, because there's only four people um including Albert Pujols now, that have ever done that. One is uh, Barry Bonds, um, one is Babe Ruth, uh, and Albert Pujols is on that list. And uh, unfortunately right now, it just slipped in my head who the person who is in second after Barry Bonds is. Um, but Albert Pujols crossed number 700 tonight, earlier tonight, while he was playing at Dodger Stadium. So it was a very big, uh, very big deal for all baseball fans in the world. Um, and it's, uh, you know, so congratulations to Albert Pujols. Um, you're, congratulations. Yeah, so a wonderful gentleman. Um, and the sport of baseball will be lesser after you retire this year. Um, but yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know what's funny? You, when you said that, it sounded like, you know, the, in South Park when they'd be like, uh, it's a terrible day for Canada and therefore the world. <laughs> <laughs> That's the first thing that popped in my head. 
<laughs> is it you know like as as a Mets fan it, it it hurts a little bit but it is such a monumentous occasion um that you know gotta gotta give the guys his roses um he did something that is incredible that uh that hasn't you know the the last person to get even close was a rod um who was the original number four with 696 um but Albert Pujols has surpassed him so you know that's a it's a it's a very big deal um you know but that's one of the only times I'm going to do anything jock related on this <laughs> podcast okay uh you know I I do my best to suppress the jockiness all right and this is for nerddom all right listen <laughs> yeah. nerddom and jockness at this point they're blending in becoming one it's true it's true um yeah but uh bralia where can the people find you on the internet uh well people can find me on the tiktok machine uh no what is it level underscore funko i forgot my own handle i changed it so much (laughs) and you can also find me on whatnot where i have officially as of today become an affiliate where I will be posting videos, you know, showing you the goodies that I've purchased off whatnot. And I'll be sharing with you some links for you to be able to go there, purchase some Funkos, purchase other things or nerdy things. You'll have a discount. I'll get a kickback. We'll have a good time. You know what I'm saying? You better believe it. Yes, Braulio is uh is the Funko guy now. Essentially, he is the guy that is not his handle, but he is you know his unofficial moniker is now he's the Funko guy. You know he's that guy. Um, so yeah, this has been fun. It's been a fun journey. Exactly. Look forward to seeing him hopefully one day heading the uh the Funko either booth or I don't know if they do panels, but if they do, look forward to Braulio one day being at the Funko panel at Hall H at San Diego Comic Con. So get your dream. <laughs> oh, and actually it's a little segue before we jump out of here. Uh talking about Funko's next week or one of these weeks, you guys are gonna be listening to some uh guests or a special guest that'll be joining us here on the rent pod to talk funkos talk about the current state of the mcu a very cool gal you know exactly surprise there for you guys just keep an eye and ear open for visuals that come to your eyes through the ears exactly yes we're not gonna we're not gonna we're not gonna spoil who it is yet but um but yes it is gonna be a very interesting time it's gonna be very fun um and i think uh, bradley and i think that you will enjoy it um as you hear it it's gonna be very fun and they're gonna try and convert me to the funko way of life <laughs> and listen once you join you can never go back yes um <laughs> but, yeah, Morgan, where can uh, people find you Yes, uh, you can find me on the Twitter mainly uh, at Morgan L. Brooks, where you can uh, listen to me rant about, I don't know, movies or something. Um, I do things. Um, and you can find, you can find me on YouTube uh, at Morgan Brooks, where you can check out, you know, short films that I've done and uh, uh, and stuff that I'm that I'm about to release pretty soon as well. Um, I got some stuff coming out pretty soon, and that's going to be pretty fun. Um, we got a documentary in the works now, so thumbs up. Thank you. 
Mandarin. Um, <laughs> you know, so, so thumbs up, chins up. Things are things are happening. Things are moving behind the scenes. Um, you know, it's it's going to be great. So thank you again um, for joining us uh, for another week of talking nerdiness and having a nice safe space for us to geek out. Um, we appreciate you listening. We appreciate you being a part of this community. Uh, Yes, we love you. uh, And goodbye. Remember, not every movie made is meant to be enjoyed. (laughs) And Fantasy 7 exists out there. (laughs) What?